Good morning. Uh, this Sunday we begin on the Christian calendar uh, the last week of Jesus' ministry. And it is, it is the climax of Jesus' three-year ministry. And what we discover in the Gospels is that the intensity builds throughout His three-year ministry. And it comes to this climax in the last week. And I want us to focus our attention on that as we begin uh, to celebrate that uh, this week, moving from Palm Sunday today to Easter Sunday next Sunday. Um, what I also realized is that was a week that was filled with huge significance in redemptive history. And what I want us to think uh, is that the season that we also pass through is extremely significant. I've said this for, for weeks now, that God has a purpose for the season that we are passing through. And, and I don't really know exactly where we're going or what all is going to happen, but I get the sense that the circumstances that we are passing through are going to intensify uh, in the days to come. And, and my, my challenge to us is that we would be careful not to get caught up in the intensity of our circumstances and miss the meaning of the moment. I thought about that this week as I began to look at the last week of Jesus' ministry. And um, what I realized is that Jesus lived 33 years. His ministry was three years. And you get down to the climax of all of that, which is the last week. And quite honestly, you get down to the last three days. The most significant events in redemptive history happen in those last three days of that last week of Jesus' ministry. For three years, He, he teaches, He heals, He performs miracles. And it, you, you see it begin uh, to move towards the climax of that last week and the intensity uh, just becomes off the charts in the last week. And what you discover in the Gospels is that not only were, were the circumstances intense for Jesus, but they were intense for His disciples. In the midst of the three years, there is this growing conflict with the religious leaders. And uh, you get down to that last week and Quite honestly, you see the significance of the last week in the gospel accounts because all four gospels give this great weight to those last seven days. In fact, uh, anywhere from 25% to 40% of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are contained just in those last seven days. And so you see the significance and then after the cross and the resurrection, looking back, what we see is that the most significant events in redemptive history occur in the last week of Jesus' ministry. Uh, the interesting part to me were the disciples. Obviously, Jesus knew what was coming, but the disciples did not. And there is this growing intensity and uh, they get to the last week, and what we discover is that the disciples missed the sense of what it was all about 
Uh, and I think, quite honestly, it was because of the intensity of the circumstances in which they found themselves. Uh, Jesus talked to them about this beforehand. Uh, when you begin to look at the Gospels, if we just take the Gospel of Luke in chapter 18, verse 31, Jesus and the twelve are on their way to Jerusalem. And Jesus sets them down and says, Boys, this is a what's about to happen. And it says in Luke 18, verse 31, Then He took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For He will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge Him and kill Him. And the third day He will rise up again. And then in verse 34 it says, after Jesus has spoken, it says, but they, the twelve, understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Uh, the ministry of Jesus builds to this climax. And at the most significant time, which was so filled with meaning and purpose, that season that was most significant, the disciples failed to see God's purpose in the midst of it. I want you this morning to listen closely to the story of that last week, and I just want to recount it. I want you to walk through it with me. It's, it's, a, it's a section of Scripture that you can read. Uh, you can take the last quarter or third or more of each one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can read their account of that last week. I want you to walk through it with me uh, for a couple reasons. One being that the devotionals this week, the daily devotionals, will be based on these events. But also, uh, you as parents will be talking with your kids about these most significant events uh, this week as you work through your kits that we've provided for you for the Easter celebration. Uh, but I want you to get, as we walk through this, the growing intensity of that week and, and what God was doing in the midst of that. When we read the Gospels, the Holy Week, the last week starts on Sunday. Uh, Jesus comes to the Mount of Olives. Uh, he sends two of His disciples across the Kidron Valley to the east, to Jerusalem. They get a donkey. They bring it back. And Jesus rides this donkey in His triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And great throngs of people come around Him. And we call it Palm Sunday because the people took palm branches and they began to wave to Him. And they began to say, Hosanna, which means, Lord, save us. And they really exalted Him as the Messiah. Jesus comes to Jerusalem riding on a donkey uh, that first uh, that Sunday that starts Holy Week. And uh, Luke's Gospel in the next chapter, in, in verse 19, G it says that Jesus wept over the city when He got to it. And He says, He said, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. 
And then later he says, you did not know the time of your visitation. Uh, it wasn't just that the disciples missed the great significance of these events, but the people of his day missed the sense of what God was doing. Jesus gets on that Sunday, he gets to the temple, and you've read the stories, he goes in and he just cleans house. The money changers are there, he begins to overturn tables, and he runs them out of the court of the Gentiles, and he, man, he has some harsh words. Uh, that you've made this a den of robbers, but God intended this to be a house of prayer. Uh, after that, Jesus returns back through the Kidron Valley, up the Mount of Olives, to the city of Jerusalem where He stays with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, as He does each night. The Monday of Holy Week, He comes back. He teaches in the temple. Tuesday, he comes back. And what you don't see, what you don't get, but behind the scenes, the religious leaders are becoming more and more agitated uh, at, at Jesus. And they are plotting uh, to put Jesus to death. But that Tuesday, Jesus, it's recorded in the Scriptures, gets into these verbal confrontations with all the religious leaders. Every one of them. It's kind of amazing when you read it. The chief priests, the scribes, the elders the Pharisees, the Herodians, the Sadducees, all of them. These verbal confrontations with them. And uh, quite honestly, he puts them in his place, in their place. And then at the end of that, he has these uh, condemning words about their hypocrisy. Well, quite honestly, this sealed the deal. They were done. He was going to die. They were going to do whatever it took. That Tuesday afternoon, Jesus leaves the temple. He goes back up the Mount of Olives. And he sits with his disciples overlooking the temple and he delivers uh, a discourse about the destruction of Jerusalem and uh, the end of times. That night in Bethany, Mary anoints Jesus with the expensive oil uh, to symbolically prepare his body uh, for burial. And something snaps in Judas that night. And he leaves and he goes. Uh, he goes to the religious leaders and he agrees that he will turn over Jesus and they give him 30 pieces of silver. Uh, in the gospel accounts, there's not anything recorded for the Wednesday. But on the Thursday, Jesus sends Peter and John back into the city to meet a man <laughs> and to go to an upper room and to prepare for the Passover meal that will happen that night and later that afternoon they come and they go to the, the upper room and there a lot's recorded in, this, in the story about Jesus in the upper room, but Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Uh, he tells Judas, he, he identifies his betrayer and he tells Judas what you have to do, go and do quickly. And Judas leaves and he goes to get uh, the religious leaders uh, to come and arrest Jesus. But Jesus that night as they took the Passover meal with His disciples, He breaks the bread and He connects it to His body which will be broken. He takes the cup of wine and He says, This is My blood that will be shed for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. And then late that night, we could even say if it happens about midnight, then it becomes Friday and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane back across the Kidron Valley. up. The Mount of Olives, a short way to a, to a grove of olive trees, and there Jesus prays. 
And there Judas brings the soldiers. And they arrest Jesus. They bind him. Uh, they take him initially to the high priest's house. They interrogate him. It's there that Peter, in the midst of that night, denies Jesus as Jesus had told him three times. The cock crows to signal mourning. Uh, the Jewish leaders hand over Jesus to, to Pilate. And Pilate interrogates Jesus. At one point, he allows Herod to interrogate Jesus. Uh, Pilate wants to release Jesus, but the religious leaders call for him to be crucified. And finally, Pilate concedes and he, he takes a bowl of water and he washes his hand to say, his blood is not on my hands. And he releases Jesus to be crucified. As a part of the process of the Roman soldiers putting Jesus to death, they would have beat him. Uh, they beat him. They took a crown of thorns and they put it on his hand and they mocked him. Uh, they scourged him with a whip. And then they led him to be crucified. And he took his cross and he, he walked down a road to go outside the city to the place. And you know the story of how he didn't make it. And a man, Simon of Cyrene, takes up his cross. And they end up at a place outside the city. A place they called the place of the skull, Golgotha. And there Jesus was nailed to a cross. And he hung there from nine in the morning. About noon, darkness came over the earth. And um, uh, finally, by three o'clock that afternoon, Jesus cries out with a great cry, It is finished. And there is, the Bible, Matthew's account records there, there's earthquakes and there's signs and the veil of the temple is torn in two. And as the day went on, uh, they wanted to make sure those three people who had been crucified were dead. And so they broke the legs of the two other men, but Jesus had already died. And the soldier takes a spear and he places it through his side. And John's witness who stood there said that water and blood came out of the place where they um, pierced him. Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, asked for the body from Pilate and they take the body and there is a tomb that is nearby to where the garden, in a garden. And they wrap him, uh, they put spices, they wrap him in linen cloth, they place him in a tomb, and they roll a stone over the opening of the tomb. And that concludes the day on Friday. Those are the events that we walk through this week leading up to Easter Sunday and the resurrection. And the crazy thing about the gospel accounts is that the disciples did not understand, even though Jesus had told them what was going to happen, they did not understand the big picture, what God was doing, and they missed it. Um, this year, we walk through those events again, as we do every year. And it is for the purpose that we would understand what it was that God did 2,000 years ago that affects our lives today. And it is, it is, it is intense circumstance and a time, uh, the culmination of Jesus' whole ministry. And we cannot miss the significance of it. We must see the purpose in it that Jesus died for our sins. And the Bible uh, 
relates to us. The message of the gospel is that Jesus is the only way of salvation. I want to say to you as parents that this is a story that you must tell so that your children understand the significance of these events and why Jesus did it and that he died for their sins and he is the only way of salvation. Each one of us must come to the place in our life that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the only way of salvation, that He is the only sin taker that God has provided, and that by believing, we would have life in His name. I do not want you to miss what this season is about. Well, we also pass through other events in the midst of Holy Week this week. Coupled with the events that I've just related to you, we too find ourselves in uh, extremely intense circumstances. And just like Holy Week, not, not obviously at that level, but uh, very significant to us, God has a purpose for the circumstances in which we pass through. I do not want you to miss sight of the fact that when God passes us through events like this that are so intense, uh, they are circumstances that are extremely significant and we cannot miss the purpose behind them. That is true for you as an individual. That is true for us as a church. I would challenge you two things. Remember where you are headed. In the midst of ex extremely intense circumstances, remember where you are headed. Remember what your life is about. Uh, the same is true for us as a church. Start of the year, we have, we set before you a directional statement that said we exist to connect the disconnected to Christ, His church, and His cause. And I described us taking a journey from where we are to, to a mountain, a place that God would take us. And uh, I get the sense we're, uh, we're on that road, but uh, some things have happened. And if we're not careful, we will lose sight of the direction that God has called us to. It is true for us as a church still today in the midst of the coronavirus that we exist as a church to connect the disconnected to Christ, His church, and His cause. We must remember individually and corporately where we are headed. Secondly, we cannot lose sight of the big picture. I, I think this was true for the disciples in that last week. I think it can be true for you. We, you can pass through uh, this week of the most significant events in redemptive history and uh, just miss it not see the big picture of what God is doing. We can pass through these experiences. These are, the, I, I've never been through an experience like this uh, as a church. We cannot lose the sense of the big picture that God has a purpose for this. We must look beyond our circumstances. I've described for us as a church that uh, it's, for me, it's the picture, the big picture is that of a ripple effect, that the gospel comes and makes a gospel impact uh, on our lives.
and we uh, and Jesus so uh, impacts our lives that it creates uh, an outward radiation of impact to those around us. We must make sure daily that the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not a one-time experience, but that impact is a daily impact that I've been saved by grace. And, and Jesus makes a daily relational impact on my life uh, that then radiates outwardly uh, to those around me. I really believe that one of the primary purposes for the time that we pass through is that God uh, would deepen our relationship with Him and with one another in the midst of this. I believe in the time that we are separated, we will come back valuing our relationships more than we ever have. But as the gospel makes an impact, there is this ripple effect. The ripple effect, the impact, the outward impact is directly proportional to the impact of the epicenter. You can count on it. As the gospel makes an impact in the center of our lives at the epicenter, it radiates outwardly, directly proportional to the impact that it has made. And we make a gospel impact to those around us with the ultimate God-sized goal that every person in Huntington, Texas would have a relational connection to the gospel. And I share all that with you today because what I want to say to you is let's not lose sight of the big picture. There is a purpose for the season that we pass through. Uh, we can't look back later and go, oh, I understand it. No, we need to understand it now. And what I know is if we will seize these days and understand what it is that God is doing, that these times will be transformational in our life, that God will do a work in our life like He has never done before. And that's my prayer for you as an individual. That's our prayer for us as a church. And I would pray that as we walk this week through Holy Week, uh, that we would see what it was that God has done for us and how the gospel uh, so greatly impacts our lives. And so let me pray today. Uh, Father, we, uh, we thank you for the, your greatness. And Father, we thank you that uh, even when we look around at circumstances and we, quite honestly, we see our circumstances more than we see you, uh, that, Father, in the midst of all of that, you have a purpose and a plan, and your hand is engineering circumstances. Father, I would pray that we would see the big picture. We would remember what it is that you've called us to do. We would be steadfast in that. We would continue to move forward. You would show us the opportunities that you've set before us. And, uh, Father, we would seize these days. You would draw us closer to yourself, to one another and to a life of purpose and impact. And Father, we just we pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen.